0: This podcast is a presentation of University of California television. Like
1: what you hear? Consider making a donation at uctv.tv slash donate so we can continue to bring you more great programs.
2: So I'm Dolores Ines Garcia, a professor here at UCSB. Um, Yvette Merino was a production manager also on the film Moana. How many of us saw Moana as well, Hi. right? And that same team brought us this film as well. And Yvette is also a proud UCSB alum and a first-generation college student, which means she was the first in her family to graduate from college. So very proud <laughs> of her accomplishments. <laughs> I also want to say that I'm a board member at Adelante, so thank you for any Adelante families that are out there that came today too. So when I told my youngest son what I was doing today, because I'm going to be late to his older brother's baseball game today, I said, I'm going to interview the producer from Encanto, and she's Latina. And his response, and I was surprised and a little dismayed, was, well, of course she is. It's a film about Latinos. (laughs) But yet we know that for too long, movies, even animations about Latino families have always been written, produced, and starred, by characters and people that were not Latino. So give us, Yvette, kind of this big picture importance of actually being a part of something like this.
0: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited, and thank you for coming out and seeing the film. Um, I snuck a peek, and it's always so fun to watch it with a full audience. So, uh, But yes, uh, you know, that comment, I giggled a little bit because um, it seems obvious, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not really so... Um, you know, very often, you know, I talk a lot about like when I was young and and seeing different films. I never saw uh, characters that looked like me or my family that were on TV. And if they were, they were represented. Uh, you know, they were people in the background doing you know the help or you know maybe the villains or the criminals in the in the programs. And uh, when I started at Disney and we started making films you know, I, I really noticed that there was not a lot of, uh, people of color and representation in the leadership and the storytelling team. And that has changed. I've been at Disney for a very long time. And thankfully that has changed over the years, but, um, I'm grateful that your son had that reaction because mm-hmm. that's how he sees the world. Like, yeah. of course that would happen, but the reality of it, it's, It's really not, it seems um, obvious to me and and to you and your son, but (laughs) not so obvious a lot of times within the industry because the industry has been around for so long and it's very, very structured. So um, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to be in the room and to really talk about it and that the filmmaking team, our directors and all of our story team, they weren 't coming in like oh you 're the Latina coming in and checking things off. They were really curious, and it was so important to represent uh, this the Colombian culture in you know in this film and make sure that we did it right and i 'm so grateful that the team that we that we had was really open to that and open to learning more rather than thinking that they knew
2: how to do it so wonderful. And just for some of us out there, you're the producer of this film, Mm -hmm. the film that won an Oscar. Yes. So please tell me, yes. Let's clap forever for that. (laughs) Tell me, what does a producer
0: do? So uh, that's a great question because the word producer is used in many different places. In uh, our films, in our studio, my job is really to partner with the directors who are the creative leads of the show. And I do everything from making sure that, they're, that what's in their head is communicated out to the team. At one point on a film, we'll have about 400 artists working on the film in all different capacities. And their whole job is to get the director's vision, whatever they have in their head, up on the screen. And so my job is to help translate that because sometimes directors, um, you know, need help translating kind of what's in their head and really to help guide the story. Uh, A big part on Encanto was really overseeing our cultural trust who who came in and watched different versions of the film to make sure that we were representing the culture correctly. Um, And then also... So really, my big job is to partner with the, with the directors to make sure the film gets done. I oversee the budget, all the scheduling, that kind of stuff. There's a whole amazing team that also helps me do that. And then also, I work with the company at large with the marketing and the rollout, and we talk about how the film is being marketed and how
2: it's playing and all that stuff. Kind of la mera mera, the <laughs> one in charge. Yeah. Now, while you were making and producing this film, did you ever get a sense that, It was going to be as big as it is, that kids would be singing We Don't Talk About Bruno in the car on repeat, and I think your families understand this, or choosing a Madrigal character for Halloween, or even your daughter who's here, who's in second grade, wearing a sweatshirt with all three um, Amariga's sisters and like these beautiful different skin tones yeah I mean the aftermath and the success of it did it, any of it kind of surprise you um you know what I think
0: uh
2: we always hope we make we work on these
0: films for so long I was in I was on Encanto for about three and a half years the directors were on it for were working on it for about five years And we work in such a bubble and we can't talk about it, you know, outside of the studio and and we work every day. We work very long hours and, and, you know, but we, you know, sometimes we get things and we're like, oh, I think this is really, you know, people are going to like this or I'm going to enjoy it. And other times, you know, we don't know. But really, we kind of put it together. We put the best film together and we kind of just give it out, put it out in the world and hope Mm -hmm. people react. And of course, Encanto, uh, we made Encanto during the pandemic. So we made it all from home. And so we all made it watching it. You know, I made it watching it on my 13-inch laptop screen. And the first time I had to go into a theater to see the trailer, I cried a little bit because it was just so big and so Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I was like, oh, look at what we're making. But then I was like... (laughs) Oh, I said, well, this is really beautiful. Like it's better than on my little fingerprint filled <laughs> laptop uh-huh. screen. And, uh, but you know, you just, you kind of put them out and you hope, and then it came out in the theaters and then a month later it hit Disney plus. And then that's when it really started, um, you know, TikTok kind of got me through the pandemic. And so I was just uh-huh. scrolling through TikTok uh-huh. and then all of a sudden I saw one thing I was like, Oh, that's funny. and And then I saw another one and another one, and then it really
2: just blew up. So what do you do when you're walking around Target and then randomly you hear a song from Encanto? I giggle. I do. Yeah. I do. It's the.
0: It's to me. I, I. think I'm grateful for my job, and I think that uh, uh, I'm so grateful that I'm able to do what I do. And and you know when I'm walking anywhere, like in a, in an elevator, and I hear some like weird instrumental version of it, yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, that's cool i remember it always takes me back to even when um we don't talk about bruno was first created and all of those stories Mm -hmm. of like oh well we need this song and it's it's about bruno but he's not in it and (laughs) and we were sitting we'd have every again because of the pandemic everybody was home we had these friday night meetings with lin-manuel lin-manuel miranda and he would be like oh okay and then he literally turned to his keyboard he's like something like this dun-dun-dun, and we're like, okay, he goes, I'll be back, and within a week, we had the song, wow.
2: and we were like,
0: oh, this is good, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, so, it's fine.
2: so Encanto was released during the pandemic at a time when we didn't return to big movie theaters, so, so many of us saw it from the comfort of our couch, where we could pause, go to the restroom, or pause, get another drink, it was actually very conducive, I think, to having, to watching it with families. How do you think that sort of release that was at home on a couch in the comfort of our home, how do you think that affected like the impact of the movie?
0: You know, all right, we talked about it a lot even before it came out while we were making it. And we didn't, of course, we didn't know what the future of the pandemic was and where it would be. And if the theaters would open, we were all a little like stressed and trying to like what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But we always, always, always talked about this film being a film to watch with families. Mm-hmm. And we always talked about, we hoped people would go to the theater or see it at their homes with their families because it is a film, you know, about family and about the the struggles and the joys and the, you know, the sisterly fights and all of that. And so we, we talked, you know, there was always like the want You know you always imagine how your audience is going to receive it but we always thought like oh we would love for people to go see it with their families and so i think you know having it available over streaming uh really kind of helped make that happen because not everybody was ready to go back to the theaters or Even, you know, people were visiting for the holidays. It came out right on Mm -hmm. on Disney Plus on Christmas Eve. And so people were together for the holidays. And so they were together and I would get random texts. Oh, I watched this with my family. Oh, you know, even when I went back to work, people were like, oh my gosh, I watched this with my grandmother or my mother. And it opened up an entire conversation. So it was really uh, like, I don't know, gives me all the feels.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I know that one of my favorite reviews of the film was in the Atlantic, um, and it was comparing both Moana and Esta Encanto. And it said that, quote, that it had taught America that, quote, all is not lost and the future is not set, unquote, and I thought this captured such a strong current within the film how to acknowledge, learn and better understand the present because of the of the past and trying to make sense also of some conversations, some stories we have from immigrant families. And as you said, so many people Mm -hmm. opened up a conversation intergenerationally and stories about immigration that are ugly, that we tend not to want to say out loud. And this was a huge theme among social media and digital media. Did you see any other examples of that? Well, uh, yeah, I
0: think, you know, uh, one of our, our co-director and one of the writers, Sharice Castro Smith, when she came onto the project, um, she wrote that scene Mm -hmm. of when Abuelo, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: when they were crossing and, and he kind of went up against the villains and Uh, and we like it set the tone and the theme of of the film and we played with it a lot we put it in the front of the film we're like oh it's too dark to start the film that way we put it in the back of the film and so we switched it around a lot and but really um that you know the idea of you know leaving a home no matter what home you have Mm -hmm. and and having to start a new life and 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 you expect, what you expect life to be doesn't always work out that way. Right. And you have to, you know, but it, it leads you, you know, you're on this journey and it leads you to where you wanna be. And so we, we talked about that a lot in the story room and how immigrant families have to leave everything that they have. You know, a lot of times families leave, leave their home because of different circumstances and how they have to start a new life and their expectations and what reality is and how you build from that. And the one thing I love about Encanto is just the way, you know, Abuela held all that so for so long inside. And, and you know, it reminded me of my grandmothers who came mm-hmm. to this country, and it reminded me of the par- my parents and the stories that they have growing up that they didn't always talk about because you, you, the history is with them and they kind of share what they're ready to share. But because of that, because, I know because of my grandmothers and my grandparents, I'm here today and I'm, I'm here and able to do what I, what I can do and I, I'm grateful for that. And I think of that every single day when I walk into
2: the And I like that phrase that you use is that our grandparents sometimes they carry that, mm-hmm. right? They carry that and this was an opportunity to maybe unload a little bit of that, yeah. right? At the same time. Um, I know that this movie was specifically about Colombianos and not a depiction of someone like Dora, who purposely is more of a generic Latina. If you've ever seen Dora the Explorer, um, one day she has a piñata, the other day she doesn't. So they kind of mix a bunch of different little Latin American origin type of cultures. And it's also not Mexican specific as we saw like in Miguel and Coco. But tell us a bit about the importance of highlighting a Latino ethnic group Colombianos in the United States, given that Colombianos in the United States make up just 3% of our overall population. Yes. Uh, well, we,
0: you know, when the, when uh, Jared and Byron, the two directors and Lynn manuel they all wanted to work together and create this musical. When they started, we were kind of looking all over different countries in, in South America and Really, you know, the more they, um, the more that they did their research, the more they found that Colombia really is such a crossroads of all the different cultures. And so they started really diving into the history and research of Colombia. And they took a trip to Colombia and they had an amazing time. And um, they didn't take me. <laughs> um So, but really, you know, research is such a huge part of what we do at Disney Animation and because we really want to create these worlds that are believable and these characters that are deep and rich. And so um, part of our process is really our, once we get our leadership on the team, we take them on a research trip and we were all scheduled to go to Colombia to really, so our our animators can actually see people from the country in their world and the lighters can go see how the light falls on the mountains Mm -hmm. and there's so much research that happens. Unfortunately, our trip was scheduled for the end of March of 2020. So we had to cancel, we canceled our trip on a Monday and then by Friday we were all working from home. And so, uh, we didn't actually get to go, but we quickly shifted once we realized the pandemic was not going to be two weeks that we had all hoped it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, we quickly shifted and said, "Okay, well, we, since we couldn't go, how do we bring Colombia here?" Again, one of the things that's so inspiring is that every single person on that crew uh, worked so hard to represent the country as it is, as beautiful as it is. And one of the beauties that I mean, there's so it's so beautiful with the music and the biodiversity, but really the um, diversity within the people, mm-hmm. right? And so we wanted to make sure that we had that our family looked as diverse as many Latino families are and I even talked a lot in our story room I was like yeah I have cousins who have red hair and blue eyes you know but nobody questions if they're Latino nobody questions that's just how the family is and so we wanted to make sure that we had we had the opportunity with so many characters is to really uh make sure that we're representing all different kinds and like how families truly are Afro-Colombian you know Uh, Red hair, dark hair, curly hair, straight hair. I mean, really, you know, us Latinos are all different Mm -hmm. shades and and colors. And, you know, skin tone, again, was a very, very big conversation that we had over and over again and making sure that as uh, as we were building these characters that we knew exactly what the skin tone was for each character and how it lit and how the light was reflecting. And then as, you know, we're fortunate to work at Disney Animation because as it turns into product, we took that to all of our consumer product partners of like, no, the skin tone absolutely has to be correct. I've turned down, you know, there were some products that we typically do on films. I was like, we can't do it. If you can't match the skin tones, we can't do it. Cause it's so important for people to see themselves on the screen.
2: Absolutely. I love that the quote unquote perfect daughter isn't a light skinned, what we would usually associate yeah. with what is kind of perfect for instance. And a lot of people did remark very positively about the Afro-Latino character representation um, that inhaled it very quite positively. And a lot of people also talked about the accents, right? Mm -hmm. Like listening to this different type of accents um, by different characters throughout, Were some, what was the decision-making kind of behind that
0: too? I keep saying we talked a lot about, we talk a lot at work, (laughs) but we did. We wanted to make sure that the accents were correct. And, and we made the choice of Abuela, uh, having the stronger accent. And Mm -hmm. then it it faded a bit as it went down through generations, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then we wanted, again, all over Latin America, there's many different, uh, dialects and accents, you know, and it was, and a lot of people, when we started, is saying that we were going to focus in Colombia, they were like, okay, can you make sure the Spanish ac- you know, uh, accent is a Colombian accent? <laughs> because when it's translated, it, a lot of times it's doing like a what they call a neutral accent, mm-hmm. which I think is Mexican, but I'm not sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But so we, we talked a lot about it. Then we had a dialect coach come in and listen to every single thing that was recorded oh, and really give notes and then we brought the actors back and says oh can you say it this and put the accent here because you know in Colombia it would be this so we really paid a lot of attention to it again all about building those worlds that we don't when as people are watching the film we, we don't want them to be distracted of like oh that doesn't sound right so we really just want to build this world where people can immerse themselves in the story.
2: Even the fact that the film's title is in Spanish, Mm -hmm. I think is important, right? That in and of itself, it's something that we're forced to repeat and say out loud if we seek to. Yes, that's true.
0: I mean, we, again, uh, we always start with the title very early on and many, many times because the film is around for so long, it changes throughout. But Encanto was always, always, always there and consistent.
2: That's wonderful. So this is Disney's first Latino musical. Um, when, where were you when you got the call that you were nominated for an Oscar? Uh,
0: um, so the nominations come out at 5 a.m. in L.A. time. And so, of course, uh, I woke up and we were watching, we were on this group text with the other filmmakers, and we're like, oh, it's coming up, and oh, you know. And uh, our composer, Jermaine Franco, who wrote an amazing score, was also nominated. So we're like, oh, yay! you know mm-hmm. and then Lin-Manuel the song Dos Oruguitas was now like, oh yay mm-hmm. and then it came up and and I we all just kind of screamed uh, my kids were asleep <laughs> <laughs> and then uh we screamed and we were all texting back and forth um and then I had to get them ready for school so it lasted <laughs> for about 10
2: minutes <laughs> 10 but it minutes. was very
0: very exciting and I was very grateful
2: and then you attended the Oscars I did and tell me what color was your dress I wore a black. It was a
0: two-tone dress with a like a cream off-white top and a black skirt, and it was a gown, and it was with high heels and everything. And the when they called our names, I was so excited. And the guys I was with, the two directors and my other producer, they were so kind. The whole like. I was just like, just walk me down the aisle and then, but they were so kind and we were all like in the moment, they said, you go first. And so they let me go first. So the whole time I was walking down, I was like, don't
2: trip, don't trip, don't trip. Your <laughs> shoes are really high, don't trip here. So That's funny. great. I know that I proudly display my kids' trophies and certificates at home. It's a practice that I learned from my own mom, right? Who plays every accomplishment on display. A reminder, I believe, for immigrant families that individual accomplishments are always really familial, family-oriented, community accomplishments. So tell me, where is your Oscar, and do you let your mom borrow it from time (laughs) to time? (laughs) Um, My Oscar is in the
0: office. Um, I have a little office at home, and so right now it's sitting on the shelves there, but um, I did let my mom borrow. You know, the funny thing is that we were like in the middle of moving, and so we were having open houses in our house. And I was like, "Well, I can't have an Oscar in the that house. It's kind of weird when people come through." So I took it. I took it, and I went to my mom's house, and I said, "I just need you to like have it here for a while while we sell the house." Oh, okay. And then, like, a, like two months later, I went back and got it. I was like, "What'd you do with it?" She's like, "Well," I said, "Just take it out." Well, I put it on the table. I was like, "Okay." I said, "Did you?" Show? She says, "Well, you know, my friend Penny came over, and I had to show her, and
2: so so she had fun." With it. It's been on tour. It's been on tour. <laughs> That's wonderful. Can we give her another big round of applause, please? Thanking her. So let's do some. Questions, if that's okay.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Mona. Welcome back to UCSB. Thank, Thank you, you for this beautiful film. Um, so, while well, the film was going, I cry every time I watch it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my friend was joking to me at the end, was saying, "Wow, Disney's really come a long way going from Jafar to family expectations being the <laughs> <Yeah>. villain." <laughs> and have. I've I've been reflecting a lot about all the different ways that Encanto distinguishes itself. Like that, there's no real like romantic story at the center mm-hmm. driving the plot. Um, you know, just the fact that it's about family, really, um, through and through. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, from your perspective, like, what has changed structurally in these major studios like Disney Mm -hmm. that's allowed for these kinds of really different um, storytelling? Good question.
0: What a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I think there's been a lot that changed. You know, I've been at Disney for 26 years, so I've kind of seen a lot, like, the wave of changes. And... Um, I got. I worked in a different capacity very early on in my career, and then I got involved in production. And one of the things, again, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, of like being the only person mm-hmm. of color in the room, and being sometimes, and very often, being the only woman in the room, and and. But one of the things I, as you know, as films go on, and and obviously our world is changing, but um, we became aware of like how our stories are are viewed and 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 seen and kind of accepted into the world and and we we want to tell the world that reflects the world that we live in and uh Jennifer Lee um is our chief creative officer and she truly truly uh leads under the guidance of of you know these these films need to need to reflect the world and and uplift To lift the culture that we're we're Mm -hmm. focusing on, or same with Moana. One of the things that we did really heavily on Moana was really create this, um, and it was the first time done in our studio ever, our Oceanic uh, Story Trust, where they would see uh, the process of animation. We look at the whole film and storyboards many, many times before it actually is finished. And so we would share that with our uh, cultural consultants and make sure that we are not only uh, not only not offending, not offending is like the baseline bar. I don't even like to use that, but the fact that we are uplifting and, and representing this culture that... Um, that people people live in and and the same with many of our films ryan the last dragon and even in we had our colombian cultural trust where they would see the film and they would be like well it feels a little bit you know our designers would work with them and that feels a little bit more mexican than mm-hmm. than colombian and so we should lean a little bit more this way um, but i really think that people are open to it Uh, and that's, and it's talked about a lot more. So I don't like, I think early on, you know, it was really just story and, and there were, um, uh, there was not a lot of, like a lot of diverse voices in the room and, you know, not only ethnic diversity, but gender and all different kinds of diversity. And so now we are so open, we seek it out and making sure that our rooms are diverse and we have people from various backgrounds from very experienced, Um, artists to
2: very new artists. So we are making sure that we hear voices from everywhere. It sounds also like diversity is being handled as a value. I think the danger sometimes is that media industries will handle it as a priority, but priorities shift. Correct. So then sometimes you no longer see that of some significance rather than seeing it as a value to the foundation of media it industries. is really
0: one of the values that we have. Thank you for making that distinction because, and, and what inspires me when I walk into our studio is that we all, we share that value across, no matter what department you're in and no matter uh, how you're touching the film, uh, we all share that, that value of making sure that we are properly representing
2: the culture. Hi, Yvette Marino. Thank you for visiting our campus. It was a very lovely film, and I enjoyed it many times at home, and this is my first time enjoying it in the theater. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, um, so we know where Encanto is, but when is Encanto? And Because it has this very timeless feel, but I'm wondering if there's a specific uh, time period that um, is also inspired Mm -hmm. in the film. Yes, thank
0: you for that. Thank you for saying it's timeless because we always try to build these films. Um, But, you know, the story of Encanto, of when it takes place, is uh, Abuela uh, Alma and Abuelo Pedro, they left their homes in the early 1900s. So this is 50 years later. So it actually takes place in in the mid, uh, Mm -hmm. like around 1950-ish. But because they've been cut off from the world, we, you know, they don't have running electricity. We don't have... Um, all of the um, technical, technical advances that happened in the world mm-hmm. around that time. They so have magic. They have magic, <laughs> yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but that's why, so uh, it takes place like the actual year somewhere in the, you know, mid 1900s, but because they've been cut off from the world of the early 1900s, that's kind of how we set the fashion and, and the design of all the buildings.
1: Uh, the person who created the production side of the school came from Disney originally, wow. created an animation course that is still going today into its 40-something year. Um, the students in the class do, their, their final project is only five to seven seconds of hand-drawn animation. They learn everything from, uh, throughout the history of animation, so we kind of have a traditional uh, approach to it. They go from Gertie the dinosaur all the way through, of Iworks and understanding how the Disney uh, relationship with Iworks worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've just been through some of these in recent lectures. And uh, it's been very fun to see. And one of the things that is very fun is a TA for the course. Uh, Her her name is in the credits here. Uh, She TA'd in this room uh, years ago uh, for our animation course. And uh, it's wonderful to have two alumni involved uh, at, at both levels from the top to the bottom. Um, and I guess my question for you would be, what what might you uh, say to students who want to get into the industry?
0: You know, I think one of the things for people who want to get into animation or into film is, you know, there's the practical things of oh, go get an internship and and really try. You know, we all talk about networking, and believe me, I'm a even to this day, it's not like my favorite word to say. But really, I, I always try to approach of getting to know different people and and trying to connect with different people of like, oh, well, I'm just interested and curious about what they do and kind of what their career path is. So try to find people who are, you know, somewhat in the industry or in the field that you want to work in and and really just ask, you know, what their path was. People like talk about themselves, so it's fine. Uh, I always ask them then I don't have to say much. (laughs) But, uh, you know, and one of the things that I always tell young students is, And a lot of times I I talk to students who are like, this is what I want to be and this is what I want to do. And that's great if you have that. When I I came here, I was 18, I met my girlfriend, like I met one of my friends here like day one and she's like, I want to be a teacher. And I was like, oh, that's great. (laughs) And to this day, she's teaching. All these years later, she's teaching. So great. I did not have that. I was like, oh, I'm going to find out here. Oh, I'm going to do this. And like I said, I was a sociology major, and I was going to do social work, then I was going to teach, and then I was, you know, and so I kind of bumped my way around it. Even when I started at Disney, I was a temp. I didn't, you know, know what I wanted to do. I thought it would be fun to work at Disney. After I f- realized I didn't want to do social work, I was like, well, let me just go temp around in the entertainment industry. And I was fortunate enough to get a long-term temp job at Disney, and um, they... The guy didn't hire me, which whatever, but (laughs) I sat next to the recruiters and I got to know them and they got me another job there. So that's why I started Disney animation. And, and so if you know what you want to do, bless you. That's great. If you don't, it's okay, but also be open to where the road takes you and to where life takes you because I never in a million years, you know, did I ever think that i would end up producing films at disney animation and you know i didn't even know these jobs existed so to be honest um so for students that are trying to break in i think it's great i think i tell a lot of students who are still in film school uh, you know find out what you like to do there's obviously there's a lot of student projects oh my gosh i know when you say this seconds of animation and because animation takes so long, Mm -hmm. especially hand-drawn animation and really kind of going through. Um, So bless on the students because that's a lot of work. But find out, you know, if you are interested in film and get involved with the film clubs and and productions and find out what you want to do and play a role as a PA or play a role as, hey, I'm going to be a producer on your project or I'm going to help you produce this or whatever. And you find out kind of where you fit within there, you know, People want the, oh, I want to be this, and that's all I want to be. But there's so many, so many jobs within, I mean, in, just in animation alone, mm-hmm. there are so many jobs. We have lawyers that work with us. We have marketers. We have HR. We have all different. I don't draw. Like, I would mm-hmm. give anything to be able to draw. I, I'm i not great at it. I can do a little happy face and a stick person. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so... You know there's the practical advice get internships and 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 network and do all that stuff, but also just you know kind of be open to where life takes you and, and opportunities that come up and say yes to them and, and go and it may lead you it may not be exactly what you want, but it may lead you to some place you never expected
1: First of all, thank you so much for this amazing film um, I was thinking about what you said about that um, about Using, like holding diversity as a value and all kinds of diversity like um, like gender or ethnicity and everything. Um, and I was wondering, Disney, which has historically been very shady with the queer community, I was mm-hmm. wondering if we could get more conspicuous queer representation because Raya, you were on Raya and the Last Dragon and Raya and Amari are queer coded but the whole Luca thing came out with the creator being like, It's not. It's not queer, and Disney is only queer when it wants to capitalize on Pride Month with rainbow Mickey Mouse ears. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering where you see this going. Um,
0: I I think it's important, and really going back to what um, I was. What we talked about earlier is that it is important. uh, And I talked to a lot of filmmakers within the studio, and it's important that we represent the world that we, we live in and we have all different kinds of people in the world and we have queer people, we have straight people and we have Colombian and we have Afro-Latino, mm-hmm. we have all different kinds. And so we, I think our films need to reflect that. And, and I know that there are um, you know a lot of filmmakers within our studio, if not all of them feel that way. And it is, it is a value that we have and that we live by. So thank you.
2: Well, hopefully this is an opportunity also to have her go back and say, you know, someone asked me a question about queer representation. Mm-hmm. So these, these are, you know, productive moments for sure. Great, well, I'm sure she would love to sign some posters for people. So thank you again so much for coming and supporting the Pollock Theater as thank
0: well. Thank you.